We're going to continue in our sermon series, exploring Mark. And today we're going to talk about how to joyfully respond to the authority of Jesus. We live in a culture, right, where we don't like authority. Can I get an amen? If we're going to ever speak in authority, you better frame that thing with a question, right? Did I hear an authoritative tone? Are you trying to tell me something? Do you think you're up here? We live in a time where we really push back on authority. What I want us to do today is listen, and we'll tackle it a little later. There are some authorities where there is abuse, and they need to be called to account, and they need to be held accountable. But there is a lot of good authority starting with Jesus, our ultimate authority, that we need to joyfully submit ourselves to. Because Jesus, through his word, in our hearts, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to sometimes speak hard things to us. How many people, since you started following Jesus, Jesus has spoke things into your life through his word, and by the witness of the Holy Spirit, you say, this is hard. I see a hand. Thank you, Katie. I love, I love that Pentecostal roots come out. We get a hand raised in here. Jesus, because he loves us, is going to speak authoritatively into our lives sometimes. And the best thing we can do is joyfully submit to his teaching and his command because he loves us. Now, some of you today have had authorities, have had parents in your life who abused their authority. And so you grew up saying, I don't want to respect authority. You're turned off by authority. You don't want anyone to exert it over you. Today, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to trust Jesus because he loves you so much that he will take the time to speak authoritatively into your life. I want to tell you a story about when I was in my early 20s. Actually, I was 19, just turned 20. And I was trying to decide what to do with my life, like what career path to take. And a man in the church who was in the business world, he walked up to me and he said, Joey, I can get you a job with someone in the electrical field. I knew nothing about the electrical. He asked me, what do you want to do? I said, I'll get into computers. That sounds cool. Could you imagine me with computers? Every 20 minutes, I got to get up and pace and sit back down as it is. So he looked at me in a very wise way, realizing that I was talking crazy. That was a fantasy world that I was going to get into computers. He said, Joey, I know this man in the church that owns an electrical business. I want you to start an apprenticeship with him. In an authoritative, kind tone, he looked at me and said, if you start this, you have to finish it. If you start this, you have to finish it. And I remember not liking that a little bit. Who do you think you're talking to, bro? What gives you the right to speak that way into my life? But I remembered thinking he was right. I remember thinking... He's saying that because he loves me. And when he said that, I said, I'm going to do it no matter how hard it is. And let me tell you how hard it was. 
I am not a morning per- person. Know what you don't like to do when you're a morning per- not a morning person? Wake up at 5 o'clock. Is that a nightmare? I think part of hell is that sound, that alarm clock. That's the worst feeling in my life, and it gives me heart attack every morning. I think the world is the worst place to live in. Every day at 5 o'clock for five years, I heard that alarm clock six days a week to do my electrical apprenticeship. And you know what kept going through my mind? I have to finish what I started because someone spoke authoritatively into my life. Do you know what I received? Because I submitted myself joyfully to someone's authoritative speaking in my life, I received blessing. I got my license. I started my own business. And let me tell you what's training ground for planning a church, running your own business. You know, you're saying, why am I doing this? Why did God put me here? Why am I sending emails back at 11? Why do I not know how I'm going to pay my bills this month? Why do I have to deal with tough customers? Why do I have to set vision? Why do I have to go out and get my own work? You know what God was doing? He was getting ready for church planning. Did that sound familiar? What do you have to do in church planning? You don't know where the money's coming from. You don't know how you're going to pay the bills. You don't know where the people are coming from. You get an email at 10 o'clock. Someone needs to be ministered to or a talk or a text. You've got to work hard. You've got to trust God. You've got to have faith when you cannot see. And because I submitted to that authority, God blessed me because I joyfully submitted. Jesus is going to speak things into your life that seem so hard at this time. And if you joyfully submit yourself and be obedient, you will be blessed and see God do wonderful things in your life. That's faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we receive those blessings when we joyfully submit to Jesus' authority. Today's message, so preaching is meant to do a few things. This preaching that rebukes, right? That's when everyone gets mad at me, right? Like the audacity, I came here to be encouraged, I'm leaving offended. That's the rebuke message. You open that thing up, right? You read something, it's about repentance and stuff. You've got to expose it. We do expository preaching. There's a reason we do expository preaching. Because we go to a text, and it makes sure that we cannot skip over, we cannot skip over anything that Jesus has said. So sometimes Jesus rebukes, so we do that. Sometimes Jesus corrects. And as we're working through things that need to be correct in our life, sometimes Jesus encourages. Like, last week was very encouraging, right? Like, why does God allow tough times? The whole message, the whole tone was to encourage people. Preaching should do that. Today, this is expository preaching. We're going to expose this text. I want you to start thinking about expository listening. What it means to listen to what the text says. Because today is more of a teaching of who Jesus is and why he should have authority in our life. There's two doctrines that I want you to toss around in your RR groups, for those who are in RR groups, this week and this month. One is the doctrine of the incarnation of Jesus, that God is in the flesh. And the second is kind of big Latin word, Christus Victor, which means Christ is victorious and has authority over everything. Because as we build upon these doctrines, we're able to walk in these truths in our lives. And we'll expound on that a little bit. But today's more a teaching where we get to know Jesus better. Know what happens when you get to know someone better? When they're perfect? 
People saying, I don't know what that's about. You learn to love them. We need to know God better. Because if we know him better, we will love him deeper. And today we're going to learn to love Jesus more. And want, lovingly receive, call Jesus. Speak with authority into my life because you care for me. Because you want me to walk in the light. Because you want me to be fruitful. So please turn with me to Mark 1, 21 through 28. Paul, I'm drinking, I'm taking a drink of this water during the message just for you. It's Paul's last Sunday. Make sure you make him feel uncomfortable when he's leaving and say excessive buys. But he made me this little cup holder. I've had a water in it for like two months. I mean, it's crafted. It looks like the thing was made at, you know, pottery barn. And I haven't drank out of it yet. And he keeps calling me out. He's condemning me, judging me about it. So I make sure, last Sunday I pulled it. I don't know if I needed it. I just drank out of it to make a point. <clears throat> so Mark 1, 21 through 28. It says, they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogues a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they all were amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. It seems like the day of the authoritative preacher has come and gone. Like I said, if our preachers are going to speak anything. We want them to frame it in questions. My question to you is, should preachers and teachers of the word of God be authoritative when they preach? Because in the days of Jesus, what this text would teach us is that scribes were not speaking with authority. Jesus came and started speaking with authority and it caught people off guard. Why is he speaking like that? Why does he have his tone, that tone? Why is he so confident? Why is he speaking with power? Because the scribes that we usually come to the synagogue and sit under their teaching, they never talk like this. Why is he talking like this? And during that day, you had a bunch of scribes, a bunch of teachers, a bunch of preachers that are getting up and preaching without authority. Jesus shows up preachers with authority. I would say that culturally, we can identify that with that today, right? I see preachers getting questioned all the time in media about things that are set in stone. Now, there's gray areas in the Christian faith. There's things that are gray, isn't there? But there's things that are very straightforward revealed in Scripture, right? And so they're questioned on straightforward things. And what these preachers do is I realized I try to get 
to the bottom of it in my heart why I'm frustrated sometimes is because people are asking them to make an authoritative statement and they won't make an authoritative statement. They're asking what does, they're not asking what they believe because it doesn't matter what we believe. We matter, matters what Jesus teaches because if you get what Jesus teaches, then you get the truth and the truth will set you free. They would ask them and these guys won't answer. They just keep asking questions. That is not helpful. Jesus preached with authority and he calls people who preach the word of God to preach with authority because it's not about them, it's about the glory of God. It's not about us made from the dust. And so we have to get to heart. Why do you think the scribes didn't preach with authority? Because this is, this is an important thing to think about. Why do you think the scribes did not preach with authority? And I want to read this to you. And since I pinned my whole message upside down in a notebook, I had to take that out like that. Please don't judge me. I need grace. The rabbis spoke with a different tone because their goal was to please man. A tone that is never authoritative when preaching the scriptures is usually attached to the voice of the ones whose treasure is the praise of man. Do you guys hear that? A voice that never preaches authoritatively is usually attached to a person whose treasure is the praise of man. What did Jesus say was the treasure of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes when they preached and led people religiously? He said their treasure was the praise of man. They preached so people would praise them. They preached so people would say, you made me feel comfortable. They preached so they say people would cheer them on. Your tone changes and you will not speak with authority if your goal is to please man. Now, I'm not talking about a dominant authority. I'm not talking about an unloving authority. I'm talking about a kind of servant authority that Jesus spoke in. Now, why would someone speak authoritatively like Jesus? A tone that is appropriately authoritative, that is appropriately authoritative when teaching the scriptures is always attached to a voice in a person whose first mandate is to please God with his message, which leads to the liberation of people. And let me tell you the first reason why Jesus speaks authoritatively into our life and while the people are astonished at his preaching because the way he preached with authority because his number one mandate his number one goal was to please God the father it wasn't to please man and you preach differently when your goal is to please God the father you preach authoritatively when you want to see people set free how many people would say that when someone is a dire circumstance, they're making decisions that are destroying their lives. What does your tone sound like when you're talking to them? I mean, people you really love, that you're open and honest and intimate with. You say, you have to stop. This is destroying you. This is destroying you. You have to stop. I love you too much for this happen. Get away from that. Run away from that. Run to Jesus. Run to God. It's very authoritative, right? Jesus loves people, so he preaches authoritatively to us and at the time because he cares enough and wants to see us liberated. Do you guys hear that? So in the teaching of breaking up theologically, the heart of Jesus, one facet of it, is preaching authoritatively to please God the Father and to see people set free by the truth because the truth sets people free. Now, preachers can preach all kinds of things that are going to make you happy but might keep you in bondage. 
you can preach, the Bible says, things that our ears are itching for things. I know mine are in the flesh. Preacher, get up there and tell me it's okay that I'd live like this. Preacher, preacher, get up there and tell me that I don't have to change at all, preacher. Preacher, get up there and tell me I set the rules, preacher. But Jesus says, no, I'm not going to speak words that keep you in bondage to yourself and your own ego and your own self-love. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to preach things that set you free because that's what you really want. And that's how much Jesus loves us and that's what he does. The second thing, Jesus preaches with authority because he is the authority. Can you believe that God became flesh and preached to us? I mean, how valuable is the word of God that is spoken by the one who created all things? He's preaching authoritatively about the book because he wrote the book and the book is about him. Jesus does things like he goes into the synagogue, he reads this powerful verse, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news. He goes through that whole text of Isaiah. He sits down and he said, today that is fulfilled. Today that is fulfilled. He was saying, I am the one. That's the doctrine of the incarnation. God is preaching to us. Jesus is not just another teacher who is teaching good things. He is God in the flesh who's speaking the words of life to us. That's why he's speaking authoritatively. That's why they're astonished because he has the authority to speak to us in that way. Now, our tendency is there's too many abusive authorities out there that we want to throw them all out. You know, I, was, I play in a men's league um, in Red and YMCA. Take it way too seriously. Everything's game seven in the NBA Finals. I can't shake it, man. If I'm playing Candyland, I'll pick up basketball. It's game seven of the NBA Finals. I just can't shake it. It's built into me. I try to use it for good, but I don't know. So our second game in there, we're playing. And this dude walks in right before the game. Big burly brother. He's about 250, 6'4". Cut the sleeves off because you got to do it. When, when you're that big, there's no sleeves allowed. We all know the hidden law, right? Right away, he sits down next to me, and I unrighteously judge him. I say, this dude is a meathead. He probably lives in his mom's basement with an Ultimate Warrior poster still up. That's really what went through my mind. It was unrighteous, but I'm getting sanctified too up here. We get into the game. We didn't realize this team is now undefeated, 8-0. We're up. We're battling. It's a close game. Like two minutes late, two minutes left, this man takes his hand and pushes one of the players on our team, shoves him out because he thought he got elbowed, and he went on a rant that just affirmed what I had thought I knew. You don't ever touch me because no one touches me. Don't ever do that again. You shall die. So it affirmed all my unrighteous judgment. But the thing that caught me off guard after was at the end of the game, I found out that guy was a local cop. So it was fine when he was a meathead in the basement. I expected that. But this guy was in a place of authority. This guy is authority in society, right? It made me ask some questions. Now hear from me. I am all about supporting our cops. I'm that guy that believes in supporting authority. 
For every one guy that's pushing someone on basketball court, abusing authority as a local cop, there are 500 cops who are living righteously, humbly, and serving their towns. Right? What the wrong thing to do is, is say, I'm going to hold all authority accountable for this one man. What I need us to do today is as Jesus comes at us with love, I need us to look at this and say, as this message goes on, what has Jesus been speaking in my life authoritatively that he's asking me to change in? And how can I joyfully submit to that? Because he has authority over all. He is the son of God. He is the eternal one. He loves me more than anyone could love me. Because Jesus is, he's astonishing people with his authority. Astonishing. But to make matters more dramatic, he's up there teaching. He's blowing everyone away. He's the best preacher who ever walked the earth. People are astonished at his teaching. To make the scene a little more dramatic, a man with a demonic spirit stands up in the middle of the gathering and starts yelling at him. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? Jesus, with all his power and authority, he looks at this man with this unclean spirit. He says, be silent and come out of him. This man convulses and screams and is set free from the demonic spirit. What's the response of the people? Astonishment. They're astonished. They have never seen preaching like this followed by power. So as you're reading through the gospel of Mark, as you're reading through this gospel, you're going to see different places. Because some of us are like, what's all this demon talk? What's going on? We're talking about unclean spirits up in here? We have to tackle these things because God has revealed them as truth, right? So what I want us to see is that as we read through the scriptures, that Jesus is showing authority over demons left and right. In Matthew 5, there's a man who's in a cemetery. He lives in a cemetery, has an unclean spirit. He's cutting himself. He's screaming out. He's violent. He's supernaturally powerful because he has so many unclean spirits in him that they're called legion. Jesus walks up to this man in full authority and says, be set free. The demons know that they're subject to the authority of this king. And they say, have mercy on us. Cast us into this these pigs and many of us heard the story they went into these pigs and these pigs jumped off a cliff he has power even over the spirit world that this preacher part of his ministry in first john i believe it's 3 8 it says jesus the son of god appeared to destroy the works of the devil to destroy the works of the devil we have to understand that Jesus has jumped on the scene not only 2,000 years ago, but nowadays to destroy the works of the devil because 90% of people don't even believe he exists. They believe it's a primal imagination thing for us to scry internal evil, battle between evil and good. But Jesus was calling out evil spirits. He had that kind of authority. It was the first time in history, in the Bible, where you ever see someone exercise a demon. What drives me crazy as I try to think through that, was that guy comfortable in the synagogue before Jesus showed up? How many times did he sin, sit under that unauthoritative preaching, of that preaching that had no power from those men who didn't even know God, and he was comfortable, checked in his religious scorecard, and went on to do his business? 
Be careful when you get too comfortable under the preaching of the word of God. Because it just might not be the truth. Because when the truth starts being spoken, demons start... Everyone's bugging out right now. Heads about to turn in here. But seriously, this guy was comfortable until Jesus showed up. Then all of a sudden he gets up and starts yelling at him. Because he knows his authority. And what does even that demon call him? He said, Holy One, the Son of God. Have you come to destroy us? And guess what the answer was? Yes. I've come to destroy the works of the devil. Which brings us to the doctrine of Christ as victor. Because as you read through Mark, you need a healthy lens and a theological lens to understand there are demonic spirits. And I don't want everyone bugging out here because I grew up in a church where everything was demonic. The microwave didn't work right. You were cursing the burrito, you know, the breakfast burrito. Like people were out of control. Everything was demonic. You know, and you're like, this is not demonic. You need to set your alarm clock up and get up earlier. You know, you need to take some vitamins. Some stuff is just the flesh. Some stuff is just in a hard world. But some stuff is demonic, and we need to know that Christ is victorious over that because many people are held in bondage and don't even know that they're being demonically attacked sometimes. And once again, I'm not saying that's an everyday thing. But I'm telling you, look up some of the worst tragedies, the most horrendous things you read on the news, and you will see sometimes a sign of the demonic. What happened with the son of Sam when he was, everyone know that story of that murderer? What did he say? This is an extreme case because I want to give you an extreme example. He said the dog was speaking to him, telling him to kill people. Right? You have to define that as demonic. You need a category for that. I read a story of a teenager killing his whole family. Everything he described was demonic. Everything he described was demonic. But the people who were trying to analyze him had no categories for the demonic. So they didn't even know how to categorize it. I say this not to scare you. I say this to make you aware of it so you know that Christ is overcoming and he has authority. Amen? Very important. He is even authority over the demonic. So as you read through these books, you'll see Jesus has come to restore everything and show his authority. Show his authority. What did he do to this man who was oppressed? He set him free. He restored him so he wasn't possessed. Even things that you might look over. Why did Jesus still the storm? This isn't a doctrine of Christus Victor. Why did he still the storm? Because it says creation moans for the redemption even of things like tsunamis and earthquakes and hurricanes that destroy people's life and kill people. Jesus was showing that I have the power and even the storm still stands still. What about death? He was saying death will not have victory because I am the authority. Not only did he rise from the grave, he called Lazarus from the grave showing people, listen, death does not win. We win because I win. I'm the champ. How about sin? Which people never give enough credit to when it comes to torment, guilt, division in families, wars. That's all rooted in sin. Jesus says I'm victorious over sin. Because I lived a perfect life, sinless. Because I died a perfect atoning death. Because I rose again to make sure you guys all know sin is washed.
the way for everyone who believes in me. He is victorious over everything. We have nothing to fear. We win because Jesus wins. Amen? That's the life of someone who follows Jesus. That's the life of someone who submits to authority of Jesus. That he's, that's why it says, I do not have a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. I can't have a sound mind unless I know Christ is king overall, over every detail. Like we talked about last week, he has authority over your trials and my trials. Therefore, I can walk through them immovable because he has the authority. Even when Job went through what he went through, God had authority over that situation and did not let him get tempted or have more trials than he could make because he was doing something in Job where Job was going to receive the blessing because he subjected himself to authority even of the trial. That's how much God is in control of our lives. That's how much authority. It says not one bird falls from the sky that God does not have authority over. So when you ran over that bird or hit that bird, it's okay. You're forgiven. Natalie was singing a Celine Dion song one time when we were dating. Right on Montrose Ave, she was like, our love will go on. Just killed the bird just like that. A bunny. It was a bunny. My fault. That, I don't know if that's forgiven. You kill a bunny. That's no good. But God has authority over every situation in our life. Your life is not over control. Your life is not out of control because God has authority. Now, it's scary if I told you that you have the authority in your life. Some people think that's empowering. That's scary. That's scary. You mean I'm in charge of everything? I don't have that kind of power. But when Christ is victorious and has authority, man, I I can jump out of bed. I can have hope. I can live fearless. I can live with faith. I can live with purpose. I can live with fruit. Amen? Secondly, in the application portion of this, I want you to ask, and I've asked this question already, and I want to take about 30 seconds of silence for you guys to think about it. What is Jesus speaking authoritatively into your life right now? calling you to joyfully submit, you're right there, and you need to submit it to him. Does that make sense, guys? There's something he's authoritatively speaking, it might be a few things, and you need to submit to that. Will you take a message, uh, uh, take a moment to ask yourself that question? Just a few, maybe 10, 15 seconds. I want to ask you this. Would you joyfully submit to that? Because he has your best interest in mind and you're going to be blessed because of it. You're going to be blessed because of it. And I want to share this closing example as I was tossing this around this week and really thinking about it. Once again, in my early 20s, I, uh, I thought there was this person that I was supposed to spend my life with. You know, I thought it was like, uh, I was too hyper-spiritual about dating. So I thought this person was the one. I thought this person was the one. And I tried to make it keep working. I tried to make it keep working. And you know what happens when you try to make something work that's not God's will? 
That equals a miserable life, amen? So it was absolutely miserable. My life was filled with drama. I couldn't, like, this is how to test, this little side note, if a person is for you or not. If you're obsessed with the person, they're not for you. Because that's Jesus' place. And I knew in my heart that I was obsessed with this person, and it had become an idol thing, and a place where they were almost worshipped, and they weren't in the right place. And so I remember sitting in my car, and I knew that the Holy Spirit was revealing to me in my heart that I wasn't supposed to be with this person. And I didn't want to listen. When I tell you I didn't want to listen, it was heavy. I said, I do not want to do this. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want you to have authority and tell me to do this. And I shed a few tears, and I said to myself, I'm so obsessed, I feel like a day won't go by where I can't think of this person and be depressed about it. That's really what happened. But I made the right decision. I stopped pursuing that person. I went to another church. I got away from that person. And believe it or not, after a few months, I still remember the time that I was like, wow, I'm not obsessed anymore. I'm not obsessed. And a beautiful thing happened when I submitted to Jesus' authority. He took the spot as my Savior, and no longer I had idols. I was actually ready to be in a relationship. I was actually ready to be in a relationship because I didn't make relation, being in a relationship my God. You guys hear me? For those who think just finding a person, your life's going to be all right, it ain't true. It is not true. They cannot give you what only Jesus can give us. So I knew when my heart switched in that time. Let me give you the blessing. The other church I went to was where Natalie was. Everyone knows the story. I asked her out. She said no. She was thinking crazy. Worst decision of her life. Three months later, she sees my swag. I'm coming to the church. She says, what the heck was I thinking? It was privileged that he asked me out. She goes to my brother says, ask him, you know, and so I call her up with my thick Lynn accent, because in the late 90s, I sound like I was from another planet. If you think my accent's bad now, it was Lynn-esque in the late 90s, man. You barely understand me unless you were like Danny or Dennis. I asked her out, you know what, when I started dating Natalie, I realized my heart had changed. Even though I grew to love her, and we grew in relationship, she was not my God. She was not my God. Now we could have a real healthy relationship and we're blessed because I submitted myself to Jesus' authority. And even though it was hard, we grew in love and grace. Do you guys see the lesson in that? You can do that in anything in your life that Jesus is telling you to submit. I'm telling you, it's going to be hard, but he loves you and you'll be astonished at the grace and the blessing he'll pour out on our lives. Jesus is victorious. He is God. Let's joyfully submit. Let's pray.